Good morning. I greet you this morning in the name of Jesus Christ, our Savior. Thank you, Keegan, for those songs this morning to remind us that Jesus is alive and he's alive in us today. Clem has asked for the reading of Revelations chapter 3. This morning in our opening, we were encouraged to be disciples following after the life of Jesus and a reminder for needing Christ's likeness and reminded us to not read a, a, a set of scripture and jump and talk about something completely different. I hope I don't violate that this morning. Let us read Revelations chapter 3. As a reminder, these are, are just three of the letters, uh, the final three letters written to the churches. So let us read. And unto the angel of the church of Sardis write, These things saith he that hath the seven spirits of God, and the seven stars. I know thy works, that thou hast a name, that thou livest, and art dead. Be watchful, and strengthen the things which remain, that are ready to die, for I have not found thy works perfect before God. Remember, therefore, how thou hast received and heard, and hold fast, and repent. If, therefore, that thou shalt not watch, I will come on thee as a thief, and thou shalt not know what hour I will come upon thee. Thou hast a few names, even in Sardis, which have not defiled their garments, and they shall walk in me, walk with me in white, for they are worthy. He that overcometh the same shall be clothed in white raiment, and I will not blot out his name out of the book of life, but I will confess his name before my Father and before his angels. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. And to the angel of the church of Philadelphia write, These things saith he that is holy, he that is true, he that hath the key of David, he that openeth and no man shutteth, and shutteth and no man openeth. I know thy works. Behold, I have set before thee an open door, and no man can shut it. For thou hast a little strength, and hast kept my word, and hast not denied my name. Behold, I will make them of the synagogue of Satan, which, shall, which say they are Jews, but are not, and do lie. Behold, I will make them to come and worship before thy feet, and to know that and to know that I have loved thee. Because thou hast kept the word of my patience, I also will keep thee from the hour of temptation, which shall come upon all the world, to try them that dwell upon the earth. Behold, I come quickly. Hold that fast which thou hast, that no man take thy crown. He that overcometh, I will make a pillar in the temple of my God, and he shall no more go out. And I will write upon him the name of my God, and the name of the city of my God, which is New Jerusalem, which cometh down out of heaven from my God. And I will write upon him my new name. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. And unto the angel of the church of, Leo, of the Laodiceans write, These things saith the Amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of the creation of God. I know thy works, that thou art neither cold nor hot. I would that thou wert cold or hot. So when, because thou art lukewarm, and neither cold nor hot, I will spew thee out of my mouth. Because thou sayest, I am rich, and increased with goods, and have need of nothing, and knowest not, knowest not that thou art wretched, and miserable, and poor, and blind, and naked. I counsel thee to buy of me gold, tried in the fire, that thou mayest be rich, and white raiment, 
that thou mayest be clothed, and that the shame of thy nakedness do not appear. And anoint thine eyes with eye salve, that thou mayest see. And as many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. Be zealous, therefore, and repent. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come unto him, and I will sup with him, and he with me. To him that overcometh, I will grant to sit with me in my throne, even as I also overcame, and am set down with my Father in his throne. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. That concludes the reading of Revelation chapter 3. I wanted to pick out um, two verses, verse 8 and verse 20, because of simply one word that is in each of those, and I will read them to you again. The word is door. I know thy works, this is verse 8, Behold, I have set before thee an open door, and no man can shut it, for thou hast little strength, and hast kept my word, and hast not denied my name. In verse 20, Behold, I stand at the door, and knock. If any man hear my voice, and open the door, I will come into him, and will sup with him, and he with me. And so I was thinking a little bit about the idea of, of what a door is, and where we see some doors in Scripture, and where we see some doors in our own lives. And first of all, I was thinking of simply, um, uh, for those of you who have been to uh, the Ark, we were there recently, and they actually have a whole display talking about doors. That's not necessarily where this came from, but you can go there and enjoy that. But thinking of the door on the Ark, and, and Noah didn't control that, but God shut that, and he had control over that. And we have doors, for example, uh, in the temple, there were restrictions. There were outer doors and there were inner doors and there was all sorts of rules along that, that way. Why? Because those were to keep out things. But we also see Jesus and he is the door to the sheepfold. He is our access. He, he is the way that we get to God. And then we see here two doors uh, in Revelation. One that is set open, that God has opened and no man is going to shut. And then a door as he stands and knocks. On our hearts, and so I guess the question I have for us this morning is, um, what is what is God asking you to do? To do is He asking you to walk through a door that's that's open, an opportunity that you've been given that you may not like. It may not be what you had planned, but there's been something that's opened up in your life, and it's real easy, frankly, to just simply say, "Nope, not going to go there," and we can restrict and withhold what God has wanted for us. But there's also this element, I think that's the focus I want this morning, is this idea of knocking at our doors. And I don't think this is a, uh, a verse that's designed for those that may be in this room that are not believers. This is for us that are believers. This is a call for every one of us to say, are we going to open our lives to Jesus Christ? Are we going to open that door to Him again? Are we going to say, as we've been hearing in the adult Sunday school, uh, David is an example of that, where he simply shut down for a period of time and then realized, wait a minute, no, I need to be opened up to God and to let him into my life. And so I don't know where you're at this morning. I don't know if you have a door that you're refusing to go through for whatever reason, or I don't know if you have a door on your heart that's shut that needs to be open to God. But as we open our, our services this morning, as we come to this place, We've spent our week doing things, or maybe you're looking forward to a week of doing things. And I would just simply say to pause for a moment and try to set that aside and to open your door to what God would say to you through a message this morning 
and to be willing to listen to him. I've shared this before, but I'll share it again. Psalms 24 is a beautiful picture of that, of opening up the doors. In this case, they're talking about the temples. But they would stand on the outside, and I'll just read this a couple verses here. It says, Open up ancient gates, open up ancient doors, and let the King of glory enter in. You see, they would stand on the outside and, and yell the question, you know, who is this King of glory? And those priests on the inside would answer. And then they would open up these doors, and they would flood in to the temple. And so I'm asking you this morning, is Jesus knocking at your heart? Is he asking you to do something different than maybe you had imagined? Or is he just simply saying, I want to be yours? Because what we've heard about throughout this morning is this idea of a deeper fellowship with God, a time to abide in, in whether it's prayer, whether it's quiet time, whether it's reading the scripture, to spend time in fellowship with him, to be a follower, to be a disciple of him. To be a person that turns back over and over again, despite the circumstances that we may find ourselves in today. We will now have a time of prayer. Cody, I'll ask you to lead uh, that for us this morning. Um, I, I would ask simply for a prayer request for a group of about 25 of us men who will be going into prison next week. Please remember that uh, now and then. Are there other prayer requests this morning that are on your hearts? Sometimes we do this. If there's not, Cody, would you lead us in prayer? Good morning. Amos chapter 8, verses 11 through 13 read like this Behold, the days come, saith the Lord God, that I will send a famine in the land. Not a famine of bread, nor a thirst for water, but of hearing the words of the Lord. And they shall wander from sea to sea, and from the north even to the east. 
and they shall run to and fro and seek the word of the Lord and shall not find it. In that day shall the fair virgins and the young men faint for thirst. Well, going hungry is pretty bad. But lacking the word of God is worse. I believe that we live today in a day of opportunity. We have the word of God available to us. But it's easy to see many in our world running to and fro and they can't seem to find it. They don't have it. They don't hear it. They don't believe it. Do I? Perhaps this message is born out of a bit of a famine in my own heart. I've come through harvest and it can be a a time that can bring that for me. I'm, I'm busy and I'm distracted and I think we know that to be a believer, you don't have to be in God's Word for any certain amount of time or even every day. We know that there have been many believers throughout history who haven't had access to the Bible like we do. So it's more than that. But where's our heart and where's our focus? And as I go through harvest, it kind of happens every year. It's a busy time and... and. Uh, God's not always at the forefront. And then it comes out in my relationships. My, my wife and my children see those effects and I feel those effects. And so a famine of the word of the Lord is its not a place we want to live. This morning is a call to rise up and to live to really live for Jesus. How do you like your coffee? Some of you would probably respond that you like it hot. Others of you may like your coffee cold. But how many of you have li- like it when it's set on the counter for two days? You know, I bet there's not very many people here that enjoy that cup of coffee. Most of us, if we would take that cup, we would probably spit it out. We would not like the taste. You know, if you let it sit there long enough, it even gets like a scum on top. starts to grow stuff. It's, it's pretty nasty. How do you decide your spiritual temperature? Are you hot? Are you cold? Or are you as we heard about in the chapter that was read, are you lukewarm? How do you decide? Do you compare yourself with others? Is that how I decide how I'm doing spiritually, how my spiritual health is? You know, when we do that, when we compare ourselves with others, we're often doing one of three things. It'll, it'll make us feel smug, perhaps, and feel 
feel pretty good about ourselves because maybe I'm doing a little better than somebody else. My strengths outweighs their weaknesses. Or perhaps I feel threatened. I feel inferior. It gets me down because I don't quite measure up to someone else. And I don't know who I am. Or sometimes perhaps we see ourselves as, as okay. I'm, I'm just doing all right. I'm kind of hanging right in there with those that I'm around. And so, you know, I must be on track. Paul says, we do not dare classify or compare ourselves with those who commend themselves. When they measure themselves by themselves and compare themselves with themselves, they are not wise. It's not wise to compare ourselves to each other. To know our spiritual health, we must look at the Word of God. And we must ask God how we're doing and let His Spirit and His Word tell us. God's opinion is the only opinion that matters. God's standard is the only standard that matters. In Genesis chapter 3, verse 9, God was walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and He called to Adam, Where art thou? Where art thou? And that is the question for us this morning. Can you hear God calling? Where are you? Am I where I need to be? Am I where I want to be? If I was 20 years younger, 10 years younger, you go back in life, and I could see who I am today, what would I think? Would I be satisfied? Would I respect the person that I am today? Would I be disappointed? Would it, am I someone I said I'd never be? What is the direction of my life? Where am I? And where am I now compared to where I've been in the past? What is the direction of my life? Where am I? Whether you want to answer that question or not is up to you. But the truth is God... He already knows where you are. He asks that question of us not so that He can find out where we are, but so that we can find out where we are. God knew right where Adam was. Adam didn't know where he was. Adam was hiding, naked and afraid. Am I hiding? Am I looking for God or am I hiding from God? Am I looking for relationship or am I hiding from relationship? I want you to think about that as we go through a few verses in this chapter in Revelation chapter 3. I may just reread starting at four, verse 14. And unto the angel of the church of Laodiceans write these things, saith the Amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of the creation of God. I know your works that you are neither cold or hot. 
I would that you were cold or hot. So then, because you are lukewarm and neither cold or hot, I will spew you out of my mouth because you say, I am rich and increased with goods and have need of nothing. And knowest not that thou art wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked. I counsel thee to buy of me gold tried in the fire that thou may be rich and white raiment that thou mayest be clothed and that the shame of thy nakedness do not appear and anoint thine eyes with eye salve that thou mayest see. As many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. Be zealous, therefore, and repent. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man will hear my voice and open the door, I will come into him and will sup with him and he with me. To him that overcometh will I grant to sit with me in my throne, even as I also overcame and am set down with my Father in his throne. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says. God's... God says, I know you. That's what he said to this church here. I know your works. He knew their spiritual temperature. And he knows ours. He knows our works. He knows our motives and our attitudes. And he knows if we are hot or cold. Or average. You know, this kind of tells us what God thinks of average. God's not a fan. He says he'll spew us out of his mouth if we're average. You know, a lot of times, if something's average, we don't think of it as too bad. You know, it's, it's doing all right. But there's no place in the life of a believer for average. Matthew 24, 12 says that because iniquity abounds, the love of many shall wax cold. Has my love waxed cold? Sin will do that. Am I that cup of coffee that has set out since yesterday? If you think you're doing better than the average person, you're an average person. A lot of the surveys that are taken will show that. <clears throat> Picture with me two streams. You've got one that is, the water is sitting there, hardly moving. It's not very deep, it's shallow, it's murky. It's stagnant, and it's got green stuff growing on top of it. Then I want you to picture with me a mountain stream, and the water is crystal clear, and it's rushing down that mountain, and it's full of oxygen, and it's full of life, and it is invigorating, and it's refreshing, and anyone who drinks from it will be refreshed and will be given life, and anyone who, who bathes in it will be clean. And anyone who is near that will be attracted to it. And they will want to, to be involved with that stream in some form. And you go back and you look at that other stream. 
And I don't want to touch it. I don't want to swim in it. I don't want to drink from it. I want to go around it. And then I want to ask myself, my life, my testimony, which stream am I like? When people meet me in town, my neighbors, my family, how do they see me? Am I someone who brings life? Am I someone who brings invigoration and refreshment and joy and, and uh, excitement? Or am I someone that people try to avoid? Am I someone that people have no desire to be around? Am I shallow? Am I growing moss spiritually? How is the condition of my heart? There are many places that can affect, many things that can affect me. Um, our, our time in the Word obviously is, is of huge importance to the state of our heart and the health of our heart. The people that we're around, the influences that we have in life, can have a big impact on the health of our heart and the direction of our affections and where we put our time and our attention. Are your friends on fire for the Lord? The people that you have surrounded yourself with. How are your conversations? As you think back over the last couple weeks. Are they deep or are they surface? How many times outside of Bible study or Sunday school over the last two weeks have you had meaningful Deep conversations about what God has done in your life or about what you have learned in your devotion time. Or encouraging others in the Word. You know, maybe you don't know the exact number of times, but I think you get the point. If I... As a Christian, I'm not engaging in meaningful relationships in life. What am I doing? You know, I think about how you go to a seminar or a retreat weekend or a weekend of meetings and, and you get invigorated, you get kind of on fire again and excited and, and you think about kind of the, your relationships after that and the depth of conversations that Maybe it was more than it was before. And, and you actually get involved with where we're talking about the weather or work. And you'd rather not even talk about those conversations. So you find somebody you can talk to that you can go a little deeper. And then you think about the flip side of that. And the times that I'm not in the Word. And the times that I'm not having these deep conversations. 
and I start to get into one, and maybe I actually can find somebody else to talk to because I really, I'm not quite there. And so where am I? How are my relationships in life impacting my, my spiritual temperature? Proverbs 13, 20 says, He that walketh with wise men shall be wise, but the companion of fools shall be destroyed. Am I walking in wisdom? God says, I would rather you be cold, rejecting him, or hot, zealous for him, than to be lukewarm. And I don't believe, it's not that he won't take a lukewarm person, our God is gracious and long-suffering, and he will take the most lukewarm person that comes to him with repentance, as verse 19 says. But he's saying, don't live in my name if you're not living with passion for me. So, verse 17 these Laodiceans, they enjoyed material prosperity that led them to a false sense of security and independence. They said, I am rich and have become wealthy, increased with goods, have need of nothing. They seem to have taken the credit for their wealth as something that they did and yet spiritually they had great needs this self-sufficient attitude is a danger for us living a life in America today God says I know your attitude you say you're rich and increased with goods and you don't need anything it's the heart of average perhaps it's the heart of mediocrity I have what I need to get along in this life. I'm doing all right. I can survive on my own. I have enough. I don't need any help. As a matter of fact, I've worked hard all my life, and I deserve to enjoy the things that I have, and I deserve to retire. I've worked for a long time, and God says, what are you living for? We don't ever retire from the mission that God gives us. You think you have all that and you don't know that you are wretched and poor and naked and blind. And I wonder how someone can be one of those things, let alone all of them, and not know it. But I think that too often we find ourselves like Adam. And we sew the fig leaves together and we think that God won't notice. And we think that those around us won't notice. And it's quite obvious. Not always maybe to those around us, but it is to God. That we're wearing fig trees and that fig, fig leaves and that we know that we know that there's a problem.
we need to be hot. And I think that the majority of us today have given our lives to Christ. We've given our hearts to him. We've made him the Lord of our life. But if we're living as a Christian, perhaps confessing the name of Jesus and yet living without passion, living without really caring for other people, perhaps living a life of compromise, we are lukewarm. God wants us all in if we are in at all. So I pray this morning that, that God would open our eyes, that we could see the needs, that we are wretched and miserable and blind and naked, and that we would pick up the armor of God if we have neglected. God says here in the next verse, he says, I counsel you to buy of me gold tried in the fire, that you might be rich. Gold tried in the fire. What is this gold tried in the fire? We can read a little bit about it, I believe, in Job uh, chapter 23, verse 10. Job, this is Job speaking here, and you know the things that happened to Job. He lost everything that he had. And he says this, but he knoweth the way that I take. When he hath tried me, I shall come forth as gold. The faith of Job was being tried. And he acknowledged that. And I hear him speaking of his faith being tried. And he uses the word gold in there. And then 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 7, speaks of this, that the trial of your faith, being much more precious than of gold that perisheth, Though it be tried by fire, might be found unto the praise and the honor and the glory of it at the appearing of Jesus Christ. Again, we get these words, trial, faith, fire, gold, all together. And I see that faith with suffering perhaps equals gold tried in the fire. I believe that he's saying, let go of your riches and your self-sufficient attitude. You might have to suffer a little, but let's try faith here. And white raiment that you may be clothed, and that the shame of your nakedness might not appear. This white raiment is like a cleansing. Take off the fig leaves and let's be clothed in the white raiment that Jesus wants to give us. Isaiah 61.10 says, I will rejoice greatly in the Lord. My soul will exult in my God, for he hath clothed me with the garments of salvation. He has wrapped me with a robe of righteousness. A bridegroom decks himself as a bridegroom decks himself with a garland and a bride adorns herself with jewels. We can be dressed just as fine as we can dress. 
We can wear expensive apparel, and God says, you're naked. And anoint your eyes with eye salve so that you can see your need. Psalms 119, verse 18, David cries to God, and he says, Open thou my eyes that I might behold wondrous things out of your law. It must be God that opens our eyes. You know, I think about the man, the blind man that Jesus interacted with, and he spit on the ground, and he made mud, and he wiped it on his eyes. Probably not the way that man would have chose to have his eyes opened, and probably something that none of us are real appealed by, the idea of someone spitting on the ground and putting it on our face. Um the eye salve that he gives us maybe looks a little different than just a little bit of ointment that we might be thinking of. I don't know what that eye salve might look like, but it might, might not be what we would desire. But don't back down. Don't back away. Don't miss an opportunity to have your eyes opened by Jesus Verse 19, as many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. If you feel rebuked or chastened today or any time as you read the word of God, I think that you should feel loved. He says here, as many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. And so you can know that God loves you and praise him. For that conviction, that knowledge of sin that comes when you feel rebuke from God. Be zealous and repent when you feel that. Be zealous and repent. Verse 20, the, the verse that Zach touched on for a little bit, I appreciated his thoughts. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. And I would agree. This isn't necessarily speaking of an unsaved person. Although he could be calling you today. He's still calling. But here... He's knocking, and he says, if you will hear my voice, open the door, I will come into you and sup with you and you with me. And this isn't like uh, him just stopping by to say hi. And I don't think it's just a tea party where he's there for a little bit, and then he leaves. He wants to come in, and he wants to stay with you. This is extreme heart makeover. This is when Jesus went into the temple and he drove out the money changers. And I don't know what money changers are in your hearts today, 
what's in there that needs driven out, but he wants to come all the way in. He doesn't want you just to crack the door and have a conversation. He wants relationship. He wants communion. Do you? Do I? He wants to take over. He wants to transform me. And often as men, because of our fear, perhaps, because of risk that we learn to manage in life, we just want to do things a little bit at a time. And so this idea of letting him all the way in, maybe in business isn't always the wisest, but this isn't business. This is our creator. This is Jesus, and he wants to come all the way in. He says, let's do this all at once. I want to make all things new. And that doesn't mean we're perfect. There's still sanctification. There's still life that is lived, and we talked about that in our Sunday school, that, that all the heroes of the faith, the Bible talks about their failures and their sin, and, and it will be that way for all of us. And if we think that there's one among us that's perfect, if we're holding up people or positions as perfect, we've got it wrong. None of us are, and yet He wants to dwell in us. He wants to have relationship, communion, to be involved in our life every day. To him that overcomes will I grant to sit with me on the throne even as I also overcame and am set down with my father in his throne. Do you have an ear to do you have an ear to hear today? Can you hear him knocking? Can you hear him speaking to your heart? I stand in need of revival. And he calls us here to repent. He called the Laodiceans to repent. He called John the Baptist, called, his message was repent. Jesus called people to repent. And I believe today that's the message for me. To repent from laziness, from a lack of passion. To repent from allowing my heart to grow cool and lukewarm. And there are some of you here today, and you're hot. You are on fire for the Lord. And I say, praise God. And keep burning. And keep touching others. And continue to spread that fire and that excitement to those whose fire has grown cold. That is the way that God many times works as we interact, we inspire others, we light their fire. I want to look just as we close at, a, at Isaiah chapter 6, because there's some of us here today who aren't, and we need to see God. We need to see ourselves for who we really are, but it's only when we see God for really, who He really is that we see ourselves in that way. And Isaiah chapter 6 is familiar, no doubt. And I'll just read several verses here. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting upon a throne high and lifted up, and His train filled the temple. Above it stood the seraphims. Each one had six wings. With twain He covered His face, and with, face, and with twain He covered His feet, and with twain He did fly. And one cried to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of His glory. 
and the posts of the door moved at the voice of him to cry. And the house was filled with smoke, and then said I, Woe is me, for I am undone, because I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of the people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the king, the Lord posts. Then flew one of the seraphims unto me, having a live coal in his hand, which he had taken with the tongs off the altar. And he laid it upon my mouth and said, Lo, this has touched thy lips, and thine iniquity is taken away, and thy sin is purged. Also I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send, and who will go for us? Then said I, Here am I, send me. And he said, Go and tell this people, Hear ye indeed, but understand not, and see ye indeed, but perceive not. Make the heart of this people fat, make their ears heavy, and shut their eyes, lest they see with their eyes, and hear with their ears, and understand with their heart, and convert, and be, be healed. In the year that King Uzziah died, there was no king in Israel at that time, but he saw the Lord sitting upon the throne. Who is on the throne of your heart this morning? Do you see God? This is a pretty powerful cry here. They, as, they, uh, as they cried, holy, 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 the doorposts were shaking in the place. I don't expect us to have an understanding of this this morning just simply from reading it. But I believe that the Spirit can give us an understanding, can, can allow us to see God in a way that many times we don't if we're not seeking Him. And Isaiah's response here should be my response. He says, woe is me. And then he went on and he accepted all of the responsibility. He said, I am undone. I am a man of unclean lips. And he didn't blame it on anyone around him. I am a man of unclean lips. He goes on, he says, I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. He did. He said, the people I've been around hasn't been good but it's it's me I am a man of unclean lips can I see God can I respond in that way and take all of the responsibility for my failures for my sin for my mediocrity on myself and not blame anyone else a live fool is taken with the tongs and placed on his mouth and I don't know maybe where all you could go with that, but it, it appears to have cleansed his mouth. And in Matthew, Jesus says, out of the treasure of the heart, the mouth speaks. And James talks about if we can control the tongue. I forget. No. Oh. I forget how he says that, but uh, that it's, it's a big deal to be able to control the tongue. And I guess I believe that the tongue is the relay to the heart. 
And so this is symbolic of perhaps a cleansing of the heart. We need our lips purged. We need to see God and to allow Him to burn away the dross and the apathy and the mediocrity to buy His gold right in the fire. To allow Him to clothe us with white raiment. And then God asks the question, who will go, who will go for me? Will I just sit as that stagnant stream and continue my life as I have? Will I allow Him to give me life, to give me refreshment, to give me oxygen? And will I go down that mountain making a difference to everyone that I come in contact with, encouraging them, blessing them, allowing His Spirit and His blessings to flow through me. He sends us out. He sends us back. He sends us down to make a difference in this world, to be His hands and feet. What's life all about? What is my life really all about? What am I looking forward to this to this coming week? You know, oftentimes it's the next really exciting or fun thing that I'm going to do that can highlight my my life or make me even continue to want to live. Now, is that what we're living for is the next vacation, the next Friday night? Or is life something more? Do you have a purpose in the church? Do you have a purpose in the kingdom? Do you have a ministry? Do you live for others? What are you living for? Where art thou? Enough of average, enough of lukewarm, enough of stagnant, Let's allow him to come in when he knocks to come in and to sup with us and let's continue that relationship and let's flow and let's bring life to those around us and let's not stop flowing. How will I respond when I hear God call? Where art thou? Let's have a song.